Welcome to the Dreamcatcher Podcast, a place where you'll receive a boost of inspiration, practical advice, and tools to maximize your success and personal happiness. And that's not all. You'll also get plenty of guidance on how you can use your gifts, talents, and compassion to contribute towards making the world a better place. Be sure to sign up for our free weekly newsletter for a preview of what's in store and to also receive a free ebook. To sign up, simply visit www.thedreamcatch.com. Now it's my pleasure to introduce you to the host of the Dreamcatcher podcast, Celine Chinoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dreamcatcher podcast, a place where your dreams can find a voice. We are all on the journey of self-love, and on some days, it feels easier to do than others. According to my guest today, Regina Lewis, the key to radical self-acceptance and giving ourselves permission to live the life we love is by connecting with our inner core. This helps us gain a deeper understanding of what we need to feel cared for and supported. Regina Lewis is a sought-after speaker, teacher, coach, and author. Her writing and advocacy work has been recognized with numerous awards. The Lifetime movie, I Am Somebody's Child, was based on her best-selling memoirs. Currently a Hoffman Process teacher, she leads workshops and speaks frequently throughout the United States. In this conversation, We're going to discuss the main themes in Regina's new book, Permission Granted, Kick-Ass Strategies to Bootstrap Your Way to Unconditional Self-Love. She'll offer guidance on how we can move towards self-compassion, open-heartedness, and live our life from a place of power and courage. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to like, rate, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Thanks. Hi, Regina. How are you doing? Good morning, Celine. I'm great. How about you? I am doing great. Thank you so much for being here with us. Hey, you extended the invitation and I jumped on it. So the feeling is mutual. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I I read your profile. I learned a little bit more about you, and I just said, "Oh God, I have to have her on the show." Like, you know, you have such a fascinating life story and a very inspiring one, might I add. I mean, Lifetime TV even made a movie about it, right? Right. <laughs> yes, that was a uh, that was an endeavor of love. I wrote my first book in 2003, and a friend of mine said, you should be represented by a creative artist agency. And I'm like, really? You're talking, you're talking Nicole Kidman, and you're, you're talking, you know, amazing talent. And they were like, I have an agent. And this person connected me with the agent, and it literally took... From 2003 to 2018 to get that movie made. Wow. Okay. So it's about being tenacious. 
It's about everybody else's no was my yes. I have to hold on to my yes, Celine, as it withered in front of every single no. And I could not, would not take anyone else's no. I couldn't take that as the definitive word. And so I held on to my yes till that movie was made. Wow. I'm so glad you did. And I, you know, in Hollywood, you got to be persistent. It's, it's tough out there. Hollywood has more gatekeepers than McAfee virus system. Okay. <laughs> Hollywood ain't playing. Hollywood, they are, not. they are not playing. And it's sort of like, I, I, I sum up my, my analogy of Hollywood in a, I think it was Remy Ma or it was uh, Nicki Minaj who said, if I don't sing for you, don't come for me. So that's Hollywood. If we don't sing for you, don't come for us. But, you know, I like to believe that well-behaved women rarely go down in history. It should really be her story. So I don't mind being an unbehaved woman. Wow. Wow. And I think that's what got you through everything that you went through in your life. I mean, you've had a pretty, you've had a challenging upbringing. I mean, you grew up in 30 foster homes and uh, psychiatric facilities until you were 18. And after that, you put yourself through college on a scholarship and you, and you wrote two best-selling memoirs. I mean, talk about like, wow. <laughs> so what do you think are the qualities and mindset? that helped you overcome and achieve what you have in your life, Regina? Well, like I mentioned, having the yes and only giving myself permission to retire that yes. So once my spirit guides me to an insight, I, I understand the assignment until the assignment is manifested. And the only time I, I choose to lay that assignment down is when I know internally, mm, this has run its course and then I will look through the experiences and find out what what was the lesson here? What do I need to take away from this? And I can only say there's just been a few times in my life when I've had to do that, but I listen. I listen wholeheartedly. I listen soulfully, deeply, committedly to the insights and the intuition that arise from within me. So 
you've always been connected to your inner self since you were a kid. That's all I've ever had. You know, in in the U.S., we have this, we have all of these Christmas songs that tend to be Christian-based, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there is a song called Oh Holy Night. And there is a part of the song that I believe supports what you said is since you were a child, you always felt from within. So there is this part of the song in Old Holy Night where it says, and the soul felt its worth. I remember Low later world in sin and error, pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I remember the day I felt my worth. And that's not something I will ever forget. It was, it came in the way of an awareness, an insight, a felt sense that if I were to get quiet and close my eyes, that which surrounded me was the soul and I, like a tea bag, was steeping in worth. Period. That's beautiful. And is that something you realized on your own or did you have any sort of mentor or someone who inspired you? I didn't have a mentor. I, I, I can't say that. Let me, let me slow down. I would say I've, 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 I've never been on my own in the sense that Spirit and that essence of spirit has always been with me, although I went in and out as children do, understanding it, having a language for it. And I would say from as young as I can remember, I have been guided to find my mentors in books, mm. in I can relate and, to that, yes. Right? And taking what spoke to me and allowing my consciousness to marinate in it. And, mm. right? And then sometimes taking others' words as my own, as we do, whether it be parents, whether it be mentors or people whom we respect. But for me, Celine, I want to make it really clear. I had no adults in my life. I had a woman in my life for the equivalent of maybe six months who left an indelible mark upon me. But in terms of having guidance, protection, feeling safe, wanted, belonging, that did not happen in the earthly realm for me. And 
I recognize now that I have led consciously more so in one semi-conscious and and two parallel universes, right? Because it's, it's, was it a kind of survival, a, way, a survival mechanism, a, a way to adapt to your circumstances that you develop those two parallel uh, worlds? I, I, I believe I came coded with that capacity mm-hmm. and it was a way to, to navigate the world. Everywhere I turned, I saw no image of me. Everywhere I turned, there was no image of me. There was the mirroring I received was that I was bad. I was black. I was a woman. I was an orphan. I was poor. I, I mean, the list is endless. And so my intellect would say, no, you're good, you're incredible, you're pretty, you're smart, you're talented, you're different. And so, that's again... To have the inner resources to um, get past those labels that were placed on you, Yeah, that's that's great. But I knew, I knew I was none of those things because when I wasn't those things... Uh, people responded to me so positively in the world. People would meet me. Oh my goodness, you're a pretty little girl. Blah, 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 blah. All those things matter, right? Mm-hmm. They matter, even if they're fleeting. So no, I didn't, from, from intimate relationships, oh my goodness. <laughs> there was no such thing, you know? And it's interesting yeah. because even now, Celine, even now, I am working feverishly to heal the absence of intimacies in my life, Mm -hmm. the absence of experiences that validate myself outside of me, right? Right. So so it's been a lot of my life. I survived on patterns of brilliant codependence. When I tell you I am the master of understanding codependence, how to employ it in a way that that has saved my life, I mean, it is, again, it's now that I am beginning to open to the heart, the heart, not heartbreak, the heart shred, mm-hmm. uh, the heart shatter of the reality of how I grew up. It's only now that I'm able to, my ego is strong enough to recognize that neither of my parents wanted nor loved me. No adult found it possible to stay, to fight, to be willing to, as some parents say, they're willing to do die for their children. Mm-hmm. So it's only now that I feel psychologically, spiritually, emotionally, physically sound enough mm-hmm. to let the grief of that 
have it today. Yeah. And I'm sure that was a process for you, right? I mean, it, it takes a while to come to terms with that. It takes a while to build a psyche mm-hmm. strong enough to not collapse under the truth of that. I mean, we are packed animals, right? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. Primordially wired to belong, to stay in a pack, to stay alive. Mm-hmm. And it is there, but for the grace of God, go I in any circumstance when I see someone who I might ascribe suffering, misfortune to. I don't know their story, so I can't just assume, you know, that that's what's happening. But when I see people in situations that I would not prefer for myself, I think I get a glimpse into how powerful spirit is, how powerful it is when the soul feels its worth and then to move forth into the world from that feeling of dignity and self-worth. Wow. That is just, that's so beautiful, Regina. And I mean, you channeled all this knowledge that you learned during your journey into um, your new book. uh, And it's titled Permission Granted, Kick-Ass Strategies to Bootstrap Your Way to Unconditional Self-Love. Love the title. But I would love for you to unpack some of the words that you used in the title and what they really mean. Mm. Permission granted is for me left over from there are many tributaries, if you will, that lead to how the title permission granted arrived in my psyche. But the one I'll share today is I remember being a young girl throughout my life, whether it was me standing outside with and playing with other children and then being called in to go home, whether literally or psychically, because it was embedded in their mind to be in the house by the time the street lights came on, right? Some yeah. people I heard their parent, mom, or whomever calling, other kids, they just knew, I gotta get home before the street lights. I was always that child left. When, when, when everybody Because you scattered. stayed. You stayed. Because there was no one calling me home. Oh. There, were no, there were no requirements. There were no expectations. Yes. You know, and I could yeah. make that mean a lot of things, but but what I recognized is pretty much everyone I knew had, they didn't have to have permission. They had to follow permission, right? Okay. And so what I wanted was permission to come home. 
permission to belong to somebody. I wanted the permission to have somebody, Gina, get in the house before the street lights come on. And so I thought, that's what I wanted. Permission to belong, to be, permission to be a part of a tribe, to be a part of a love, a love tribe. And so as an adult, I recognize when, when people, like I've always had this question, what got you from where you were to where you are now? And it would be, instead of looking at my circumstances as woe as me, nobody wants me, instead of stepping into the truth of my circumstances, I gave myself permission to live the life that sprang forth from within me. Mm-hmm. And that was at every turn. You know, when people told me, you will never be able to sing, I made sure that during my late in high school years that I attended a performing arts high school and won every award possible, you know, just on and on. And I remember they, my, one of my therapists, when I said, I really want to become a hairdresser. And the therapist said, that's very white of you to want more <laughs> than your circumstances will allow. And okay. I remember just to be clear, not your only... Your therapist told you that? You heard me. Psychiatrist, rather. Let's call him what he was. Psychiatrist. And... That's not something you tell your client. But. <laughs> right. But what I recognized is anything and everything I wanted, what rang true for me, mm-hmm. it was viewed in the pejorative it was viewed as good or bad and it was rarely ever good and what i and what i'm recognizing is even as i'm saying this to you is i can see that what they could not see that every idea i had about who i am and what i want to be it was the truth of who i was but instead of them saying You're a foster child. We're never going to invest in you. Like, tell me the truth. But why try and dehumanize all of my dreams and desires by by making me bad, by shaming me, right? Attempting to shame me out of my own good. And so I recognize that Everything I want, I see people around me, even the people in the homes I lived in, their children were entitled to all, to the money that they made from keeping me. But I wasn't. So I've always had this tension to trust and believe and stay with what was true and is true for me. And, and I don't want to claim any rights on that type of thinking. I want to attribute it to what I believe is 
or or is the source of it and and the source of it to me whatever you want to call it right mm-hmm. it's spirit for me it's intuition it's it's yeah that right and you think that you know people's attempts to minimize your um aspirations was that something that actually motivated you and make you say look um i'll show you that i can do it was because that's something that i felt there were some people in my life who did the same thing to me so did you feel a similar sentiment well of course and again my countenance my character it's independently mine as yours is independently yours. And I came into the world with a world of view particular to myself, but I suspect that because I didn't have the family, the tribe, the collective to belong to, to affix my thinking to, to affix my worldview to, and there was no incoming affiliations that wanted to claim my essence, wanted to claim my future, my present, I was left to sit with what arrived on a natural basis. And again, when people said, you're not, you're not, you're not, my my rebellion, my... You might see it as rebellion, but my sticking to my guns, my holding the floor down, my tenacity, my grit, coupled with grace, is mm. what is what powered my yes. Because my yes was, is, and will always be me. And when I know when I know in the face of a counter opinion, what's always been a value to me is to know what I know. To know what I know is to know. And that's that. Right? And then when I sit and when I sit back and look at that knowing, mm-hmm. when people would offer me cocaine, I knew enough to know that would be a dead end street for me. There would be no coming back. No one was going to come for me. If no one would come for me when I sat in my little dirty socks that I'd washed on the washboard, right? If nobody was going to come to me after I took all the slivers of, of already used soap, boiled them down in a pot until they were glycerin, laid them in another pan and then slice them into gelatinous bars to wash myself and my skin. 
If no one was going to come for me after all of that intention and effort and love to present myself, I knew enough to know no one is coming for me should I be laid out, sprawled out, half naked, God only knows what done to my spirit to the curb. No one will definitely come for that. Wow. And how old were you when this happened? When this kind of thinking? I mean, I've known that from a little girl. When, When my mother would look at me like I'm looking at you, and say, I'm coming back to you. I'm going to come. Just, or over the telephone, oh, mama is on her way. I, although I never called her mama. But that should have been the sign that she wasn't coming because it was too forward and too intimate and, and not, quite, not quite representative of the truth of our relationship. But anyway, yeah. if someone yeah. were to say... Mama's coming. And I just washed those socks I told you about. I just took that little dress and put bricks on it to get the to get the the uh, wrinkles out of it. Combed and put my hair in two little, you know, pigtails and sat in front of the plate glass window waiting until I fell asleep and awoke the next morning mm-hmm. and had my caretaker say, go ahead and go on to school. If I knew then, if my own mother could do that, anybody could and would do that. Wow. So I knew enough to yeah. never, ever be to trust people, to see that people are fallible. Their word means mm-hmm. nothing. So for me, in certain domains of my life, integrity, to be integrous, you know, and honestly, not in every domain of my life, because, you know, I'm a human. I have a lot of more growth well, to do, but yes. in certain areas of my life, there are just... There are just some things that I will not tolerate. I am just yeah. integrity, integrous. That's it. That's yes. all. So I've had to learn. That is important. Yeah. I mean, Regina, it seems so clear that you have such a strong sense of power. Your sense of personal power is so, I mean, it radiates. I can I can feel it from here. Um, and you say you've learned that giving away your power is never a good idea. but so many people still do it. So why do you think people still still give their power away? What comes up, and I believe that myself included, all of us are united in our common humanity. Mm-hmm. The fact that we suffer we hurt, we're worthy of our own love, others' love, compassion. I suspect 
given what I just said, and given that I believe we are all more alike than different, when I give my power away, it is because I want to belong. It is because I have, excuse me, believed something that someone has told me, someone has promised. It is because it's difficult in the moment to believe that someone is not who they said they were an hour ago. I give my power away because I have believed that as a black woman going into a space that is predominantly white, my presence makes white people very uncomfortable. I give my power away because many times I have been seen as a black woman and my bodaciousness, my strength that you a few moments ago identified makes people, particularly white people, feel threatened. I give my power away when a man says to me, you're too strong, can't you? be a little softer, a more tender. I give my power away when I am softer and I am tender and that same man takes advantage. I give my power away when I hang out with friends who can't meet me in my success who can't meet me in my desire to connect and instead of being alone in my aloneness, having the courage to embrace that. I give my power away to people who I know don't necessarily have my best interests at heart, but that feels better than the dark, cloying, clawing terror of my aloneness. I could keep going. Yeah. And I think, I think you pretty much summed it up. Those are the, pretty much the reasons why people do give away their power and the circumstances in which that happens. One last one. Yeah. I give my power away when my parents tell me to go and do what they want me to do what is best for me predicated upon what they believe is best for me. I give my power away when I turn from the truth of who I am to turn from the truth of the dream that withers to be a singer, to be a dancer, to be a writer, to be a sculptor, to be free of my parents' need to live their own identity through me vicariously. When I don't listen to me and I do for them in order to belong, to get their love, I give my power away to conditionally belong to a conditioned love. Right. That's beautiful. And it's, 
And it's hard for a lot of people to not do that. So, Virginia, what what are some of the things that people can do? Because I'm sure a lot of them are saying, oh, my God, that is me. That is what I'm doing right now in my life. So do you recommend anything that they can do to begin taking back their power? To slow it all down, first of all, to Mm -hmm. slow down and to connect to what is true within them, what is true for them, and to recognize what that truth is. What is it about? Become curious. What is this that might be most likely is in opposition to what is coming at us externally? And to be willing to become intimate. I have a practice that I speak about in permission granted, and it is the practice is the practice of the love of compassion. Mm. And the acronym of love is used in this because in what I teach and what I espouse is that compassion is that desire to alleviate or ameliorate not only my own suffering, but the suffering of others. And with that said, there is a definition of love that I also teach. I am a Hoffman process teacher, and I also have my own practice with Possibility Headquarters. But in my working definition of love as a Hoffman teacher, love is the outpouring, the flowing, the rendering from the heart of emotional goodness to ourselves first and then to others. So that's the working definition of love the outpouring, the flowing, the rendering up from the heart of emotional goodness. So we have that. So then if I work over here and take the acronym LOVE, L is to land right where you are and to connect. So you land Listen with the intent of learning. Then we observe the O and love. Observe. And then observing what's going on around you. My parents want me to do this. I want to do that. Observe the dissonance in that. The cognitive dissonance. Whatever may arise. And then open. So we're landing, we're listening, we're learning, we're observing and opening. And then to become vulnerable. So kind of creating that opening 
And so we land, we learn, we listen, we observe, we open, we become vulnerable, which supports the opening, Mm -hmm. which supports the observing. We touch in to our own tender places that we oftentimes harden in order to say yes when we really mean no. And then we drop into the E of love and have empathy. Because to to land, to listen and learn, to observe and open to our own vulnerability and is to be in the qualities of empathy. In that moment, we are employing empathy. We are in the foxhole, Celine, with our most vulnerable self. Yes. And if we, if we practice the qualities of that acronym, L-O-V-E, that in and of itself is the definition of love, which yields compassion. So for me, it's about slowing down and first working with the interiority of our own sovereign experience. That is what I would say. That is what I say to people who come to me to support them in a coaching kind of way mm-hmm. is to disconnect them from the terror, the fear, right? The existential angst and connect them to the truth and the power to remind them this is who you are. These are the factory installed skills and capacities that you arrived on this planet with that support self-efficacy, the fact that you can do it, you have what it takes, and you are worthy. Wow. I think people just need a reminder of that because I think we've been conditioned by society to just keep going and going and uh, we get lost in the busyness of everyday life that it's hard to carve out that time to be still and, you know, explore our interiority as you talked about. Um, and I think um, people like you with books like yours really can remind people of the necessity to do that. The other day, every day I try and extract from my prayers. I like to pray spiritually. It's, it's, a, it's affirmative. So I will, I, a, an affirm, an affirmate, a love formation really will Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. That's a turning yeah. point. So what does that mean? Yeah. So what happens is a down draft the the love formation or affirmation and then turn it into a prayer, right? A mantra that I will repeat. And based on what you just said before you asked me about love formations, when you when you said life happens and we get 
we get caught in this way of just going and doing it. We don't connect to the interiority. We need that reminder. And I want to double down on that and say, we go into a trance. Mm -hmm. We get seduced into the trance of, of, of mediocrity, of, you know, mindlessness and, you know, distraction. Yes. And the other day when I was considering my Instagram post, you know, for the next couple of days, this, this affirmation showed up and it said, let go of the trauma trance. Step into your happy dance. And I thought about that. Yeah, happiness is definitely a gateway to awareness and mindfulness. And you could also, one could also use gratitude and thankfulness, which is one mm-hmm. of the most powerful. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I, I love gratitude. I, I practice gratitude every day. Right. Right. I mean, and, and let, let, let's keep this really real. Let's go there. The fact, I believe, I posit, the fact that I awaken every morning is an act of gratitude, grateful for my existence. So there's a relationship in and out and to and fro with gratitude. But to the truth of love for nations. So I shared with you what I believe my working definition for love is, and I imagine it will grow as I grow, the outpouring, flowing, rendering from the heart of emotional goodness. So that being the working definition of love. Love for nation, as I repeated that from myself first, well, in order for something to outflow, mm-hmm. outpour, render, that's, that's from within. It originates from within. So if I'm going to give that to myself first, it has to be within me first. So logically, if I, if I deductively look at this, Everywhere I am, love is. Everything I do is love in action, if I see that as such. Mm-hmm. So with that said, I am the firmament, the ground, the place, the site, the space where love is, where love springs from, overflows from, right? Outpours from. Yeah. So let me take that love formation is who I am. I'm an affirmament of love. So the love formation is to first recognize, right? To know, to recognize is to know, is the, to be, right? So, recognize that love is me, moves in me through me as me, and affirm that I am love. Very recently, 
I, like in last week, I had this great revelation that in all of the relationships, romantic relationships I have ever had, mm-hmm. they have been unrequited. I have had eight years, nine years. I've only had three adult relationships. And all of them have been to more or a lesser degree of unrequited love. Because like I told you before, I am the master of meeting my life relationally with codependence. Although I'm healing rapidly and every day. So And that's a very difficult dynamic to get over. It really is. uh, It it, it takes work. It It takes takes work. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I, I understand because I too had it. So, yeah, and it's a thing. It comes. It's sneaky. It is sneaky. It's precarious. Oh, we could go on and we could do a whole I know conversation on it. Yeah. So what what it led me to recognize, Celine, is because I was never seen. Never validated because the only feelings I was permission to feel or carry were other people's. I have had narcissists in my life, my entire life. It's the love that my central nervous system recognizes. There's a saying that says, red flags are not red flags when they lead you home. So. I've never heard that before. Is that your own? (laughs) It is right now. Okay. (laughs) Right? So, if we slow it all down and look at that, well, of course, I'm going to pick people who are in love with themselves because that's what I need as a codependent to fall in love with myself. So I am grateful for every person in my life who has exhibited the patterns, the toxic love of narcissism because they have what I need I have what they need is to give. They need to give a little bit more to others outside of themselves. I need to give more to myself. So it's a brilliant dance once you understand who's at the dance. So love formations helps me remind me that I'm the love that I need, spirit, the spirit that emanates in me, has me through me, that is the love for me to remember, for me to stay in relationship with, and that I don't need to give. Tracy Chapman says, when you give all yourself away, tell them to be careful of your heart. I say, Don't give all yourself away so that you don't have to tell them 
to be careful of your heart. You be careful of your heart. Yeah. So it's just, I guess, developing that awareness, right? To, to know how much to give um, so that you can feel protected in a connection. Right. Because we're taught every book that I've ever read says that someone as a child, right? Someone's going to show up on a horse. <laughs> yeah. And they're going to be in this shiny metallic knight outfit. And they're going to fend off everybody. They're going to make sure nothing ever happens to me. They're going to hold me in this glass menagerie of fragility. And, and the rest of my life is just going to be this beautiful dependence, codependence, beautiful dependence on my existence is good as long as they're good, as long as he's good or whoever. Mm -hmm. And no, mm -mm. right? No. no. Does not work that way. <laughs> hasn't yet. Hasn't yet. And yeah, and, and it's seductive, this notion yeah. of, of the, the knight in shining armor, you know, the, the, this idea of being chosen yeah. and wedded for happily ever after. It's intoxicating, the, the notion of it, the suggestion of it, the seduction of it. Yeah. But... And then real life issues, patterns, belief systems, values, mores, all of that stuff arises. And it, the soul has its own needs. And it will put everything we call love to the test. Yeah, and no one prepares us for it. And, and we don't prepare ourselves even after we have the experience. So now we're in marriage number three, four, five, two. Mm. Where do we step into the adulthood and become discerning, search through the rubble of our own discontent? in order to face the arsonist that burned down our own house, burned down our own marriage, burned down the relationship with our children, our families, our friends, our colleagues. I'm not surprised that there is a hashtag for adulting it's very perceptive because you asked me earlier in the context of what do we do when we are faced with needing to make decisions and needing to face requests that are in opposition of our own heart's desire. Mm -hmm. I think that especially for America culturally, we could stand 
to better individuate from our families, from the security, from the privilege, from the cuts in line, the nepotism. We could stand to individuate from that and in so doing, step into the discomfort of what it means to be in the world and not of the world on our own terms. That is really what permission granted is about. It's about employing kick-ass. Because to be kick-ass means that, that it's about being effective, efficient, right? That's what rugged individualism has been about. To go in and as we say, as we black folks say, hashtag snatch those edges. Get up in it. Boom, boom, snatch it. Right? Becoming effective immediately. Employing effectiveness to get it done. To bootstrap, right? To take what's needed, invent what's necessary, be creative. When I was a little girl, I used to get beat with water holes and it cut off extension cords from irons and lamps oh my and anything gosh. that yeah. was whip-like. And one day, I was so tired of it right before the time I left and never went back. One yeah. day, because I had no shoes, one day I took the belt, the, the belt they used to beat me with, buckle and all. I took that SOB and I cut it. I cut that belt. I cut it. Then I took a, a two by four. I put my foot down on the two by four and measured it to my foot. I took a handsaw and I cut that shoe, that wood into a shoe. And I took a fistful of nails, Celine. Do you hear me? And I took that belt and I nailed it into the sides of the wood. Two pair, Celine. That was the first pair of shoes I remember having that were my own. I repurposed the implement that they use to abuse me. So let me tell you, I understand the potential of boot strapping. Right. Wow. And I literally, <laughs> I was 10 years old. When you we all have it in us. Yeah. And did you have any fear along the way? How did you deal with fear? Did you just push through it? Fear has always been my constant companion. Mm. And there are days that I am able to befriend it. 
there are days that I recognize fear as the acronym suggests false evidence appearing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So fear comes and goes like, like, like so many emotions and, and feelings and experiences. They come, they go at times stronger, other times lesser. And for me, at least, it is always a matter of how willing I am to employ the truth of who I am on behalf of false evidence appearing real. So if I go back to this idea about that I was talking to you about this unrequited love, the truth is in this idea of unrequited love, a love that is not returned, That doesn't matter. I am lovable. I am deserving. I am worthy. I'm enough. So whether love chooses to love me back or not, that's none of my business, really. But what is my business is to always remember the truth of who I am. And that is, there is enough love. Love is Love is the mortar that holds the bones, the tissues, the organs, the muscles of my being together. So if someone can't love me back, slow it all down and look at that. What's the lesson? Where am I trying to force something? Where am I refusing to accept the assignment? Walk away, let it go, save myself, save my soul, be careful of my heart. So it, it's all this, this, this cyclic experience of coming in and out of consciousness and awareness about who I am and who I'm not, and balancing the scales of that. So fear, sometimes fear wins. And I don't take the airplane to Paris and experience Europe. At other times, fear gets put in its place. And I go hang gliding. So it's it's a relationship with courage mm -hmm. in the moment, with self in the moment, and what I believe. You know, I'm a firm believer that what I think drives what I believe. What I believe informs what I feel. And what I feel is expressed in action, also known as emotion. 
So my thoughts drive my beliefs and my beliefs drive my emotions. So if anyone wanted to know and they wanted to pay close attention to who I say I am, they will know what I believe in my actions. So essentially how you treat yourself. How I interact with myself, how, interact. Yeah. how I treat the world, how yeah. I show up, whatever falls out of my mouth at any given time yeah. will be sponsored, will be facilitated, will be instigated, incited by what I believe to be true. Mm. I believe to be true that it's time on a global level, for us to step into our permission to grow up, to grow ourselves up, to have relationships with our innocence, with our emotions, to become emotionally fluid, to unite our social emotional skills, to privilege feeling in a way that they've never been privileged before, that we do away with such damaging admonitions that shut up before I give you something to cry for. Big girls don't cry. Boys who cry are sissies. That is shaming our feelings. And so if we shame our feelings, what do you imagine that's going to do to what we think about our feelings. Permission granted is an invitation to show up for ourselves in a consensual way, to allow what is true for us, what is encoded, written, embedded upon and within our hearts. Mm -hmm. And if we need to turn from things that infantilize us, turn from ways of thinking and being that minimize the fullness of our potential and imagine that fear is a tightrope and beneath it is all the should have, shouldn't have, all of the confusion, the doubt. And regardless, we step out and we walk across that tightrope, a.k.a. fear. And we find out what's real. Yeah. What's real. And be okay with what happens if it doesn't manifest so every every dream every desire more than i can say i haven't i have allowed myself to be the space where my dreams manifest and the one dream that i can say 
And it was a deep one, so I thought, that I thought would manifest was me becoming a hairdresser to the stars. I believe that I possess serious hairdressing skills, right? Blow drugs. <laughs> I mean, girl. And I wanted to do that for television and TV, uh, you know. And I even moved to Los Angeles because somebody told me they were going to get me on a show that this star was going to be on. And I, I moved to LA and that person never once returned my phone call. But what that did is it, it was crushing. And what it did was jettison me into reconsidering what I could, what else was in me. And I ended up going, returning to college in my 40s. And six years ago, I conferred a degree that is a terminal degree equivalent to a PhD. And congratulations. That's a yes. achievement. Yes. Yes. And that jettisoned me onto this path as a spiritual coaching teacher. Right? Yeah. So otherwise I'd be still trying to break into an industry where at the time there were there was one black woman. One. It's it's dominated by uh, white men, men, period. Not just white, all kinds. Yeah. It's dominated men. But it's a skill set I have, I love. But that would be the one dream that, you know, I, and even when my movie was made, I told producers, I want to do the hair on the movie. They would not let me, for whatever the reason, I was so determined to do the hair on the movie that that was one of the, impetuses that drove me to stay to get the movie because I'm like a pit bull, right? I'm going to get it done. And they were like, we, no, we won't. But I did it anyway. Yeah. So the hairdresser, I helped her. I supported her, you know, counseled her. You know, it was really something. So hey, at, least I, at, least I, at least I got in the proximity of it. But uh, I know. Uh, two dream, two of your dreams came true the same at the same time. Absolutely, it's so <laughs> many, so 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 many, and dreams that happened. Like, uh, let's call them ancillary dreams. They happened as a byproduct of me, you know, staying yeah, of with. Of course, <laughs> just of course. Tremendous. You worked for it. You worked for it. Straight up. I, I, you know, I have worked for, I have worked, even though I don't always see it as work, I just see it as passion and purpose. Mm -hmm. So many people, so many people I work with, you know, they want to know their purpose and never want to diminish anyone's thoughts of themselves. You know, I, I support people to, to believe what they believe, but also I try and offer uplifting thoughts where it might challenge their, their 
currently held perception, and one of those being your purpose is that you were born. You were born on purpose, period. That's your purpose. Now, allow that to flower, to blossom, to just any way you want to go is good. Any way you want to do it, anyhow, anywhere. As long as you know, I'm on purpose. Yeah. I'm glad you say that because that's become such a buzzword now that everyone's like, oh, I need to find my purpose. I need to find my purpose, <laughs> you know? So when you're saying, yeah. People suffer. Yeah. And oftentimes, you know, in the work I do, many times people will say, it's so simple. Wait, it's so simple. Are you, are you sure? And that is it. Is that Oftentimes, we don't have to leave home to find a, to find what we're looking for. Oftentimes, isn't that what Dorothy said in The Wizard of Oz? Yeah, exactly. At home, and it was always in her. It always in her. Yes, yes, yeah. I love that movie. It's filled with so much wisdom, replete with yeah. mic dropping, jaw dropping, brilliant. Wisdom in sense, if you if you can see it, you know. If you can see it, yeah, yeah, yeah. And value it, and value it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Regina, thank you so much for sharing your love, wisdom, and light with us. I feel like I just attended a sermon. <laughs> you are such a beautiful speaker, such a beautiful orator, so inspiring. Um, I really felt it, and I'm sure that all my listeners will too. So. Really a big thank you. Oh, Celine, again, I, I, we, we began in a thank you. We began that way. We and we just took a, we just took a round trip right back to it. So yes. needless to say, you know, all right. And I quickly want to mention uh, your book, Permission Granted, Kick-Ass Strategies to Bootstrap Your Way to Unconditional Self-Love. If uh, if anyone is interested in purchasing it, it's available in all major bookstores. And yeah. Regina's go website. Yeah, go and her Amazon. website, IamReginaLewis.com. Is there anything else you want to mention, Regina? Yes. So let's, let's do the website again. Uh, www.iamregina, L-O-U-I-S-C. I'll add it to the description box. Yeah. Okay. Great. One other thing that I just remembered for anybody who is familiar with the Omega Institute, I am partnering with the Omega Institute to bring two experiences. One of the experiences will be March the 10th, it will be online and it is going to be a two hour brilliant experience. So for people who are interested, go ahead to my website, subscribe. You can also follow me on Instagram at the real Regina Louise. Click the link in my bio and sign up 
and follow me that way. But yeah, this is going to be amazing. And the other event will be in September of 2022. Anyway. And, and is that um, online that, too? Or is that at the... No, the that will be that will be an in-person experience. A five-day immersive experience yeah. that is intended to be thought-provoking, life-changing. Yes. Yes. And just the Omega Institute is absolutely beautiful. I was there like four years ago. So that's another reason to go. Yeah. Sure. It's yeah. aesthetically, it is it is the poster child for healing and a space. Pretty much. It's is, like a sanctuary. Yes. There it is. There yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, okay. Celine. Thank you, Regina. Thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure talking to you. Yes, I'll see you on this journey called life. I'll see you again. I have no doubt about that. Absolutely. All right, you too. Take care. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just heard, please subscribe to my podcast and feel free to share it with your friends and family. Take care and speak soon.